Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. Amen. Your word is quick. Your word is powerful. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Your word can go to the deepest part of our hearts. Your word is the answer to the word's problem. To the deepest desire of our hearts, the deepest longing of our hearts, your word has the answer. And I pray that your word will come out with power, with grace, with all his authority and intensity. In Jesus' name, amen. Several years ago, I heard a man of God uh, share a testimony or his experience. He was invited to the UK, and he was at this conference, you know, a big conference where he was going to speak along with many other ministers of the gospel. So he was, it was a big stage for him, and he, he spent, a lot, spent a lot of time praying, fasting. So this was like a three, four-day conference, and uh, it was taking place in the UK, and uh, it's full now. He was going to preach, and he was fasting, you know, just working hard because it was a big stage for him. He wanted God to move. <clears throat> he wanted the Spirit of God to move, so he spent a lot of time fasting. So he got there, according to him, relating the story, and he was, you know, there was food every, after every session. People were eating, enjoying themselves. So he saw another man of God that was also speaking. Uh, now, he was fasting, really, really not eating. Every session he refused to eat because he wanted the anointing to flow. And he saw this other gentleman of God who was also going to speak. Uh, he was eating. He wasn't fasting, so... He said in his heart, he started judging this guy to say, I mean, how come this is, uh, this is unserious? Uh, you know, if you're going to speak, you need to be fasting. So he said he was fasting. Next day, he preached. He preached his own message. Then when, he, when it was this other man's turn, that's the man that was not fasting. That's the man that was really seems to be at ease, wasn't panicking, wasn't stressing. He got on the pulpit, mounted, uh, t- took on the mic, and there was such an anointing in the place. There was such a presence. There was such a power. There was such a grace upon him. Something happened there. He went back to the hotel, and he, I think he said he was so angry. And he went to God, and he said, God, what happened? I fasted. I did all these things. And this guy that appeared not to be fasting, or at least as serious as I thought it should be, mounted on the pulpit, and there was such a, an anointing, an anointing rather. And according to him, he said, the Lord shared with him that that guy that you see is a fourth-generation pastor. All right? He is standing on the shoulder of four generations of men of God who have sown a lot, who have, so 
is really reaping the benefit of generations of serving men. You are even the first person to be saved in your family. <laughs> your generations have been idol worshippers. Now, you are doing great for where you are. So you came, at least you came out of that encouraged. For where you are, you are doing great. And it's going to get better in your next generation. Now, that was obviously a subjective his experience. But I think when you look at the scripture, you can kind of relate with what he's talking about. That God is generational in how he does his work. When God introduced himself to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, Moses asked God, who should I tell the people sent me? They asked me, who is that God that is sending you? First of all, God introduced himself by saying, I am. Right? Just tell them, I am sent you. But God also introduced himself in verse 15. God said to Moses, say to Israelite, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Hallelujah. So God introduced himself here as the God of not just Abraham. The God of Isaac. That's the second generation. And the God of Jacob, the third generation. And if you look at God's promises to Abraham, God promised to Abraham himself, it was a generational promise. It was a promise that not only will you be blessed. So Abraham went through a lot. I mean, we can see the story of Abraham. He had to overcome so many things. Abraham came from families of idols, right? Families of idols. The Lord said, come out from among them. Come out from idol. Come to the land that I was going to show you. Abraham had to go through a very long, hard tutelage in the art of working with God, in the art of faith, in the art of, you know, experiencing God. But it was easier for Isaac. Isaac inherited a promise from his father. So Isaac had it easier. But Jacob even had it easier. In fact, when you look at the scripture, the Bible describes Abraham as great, rich. The Bible describes Isaac as very rich. The Bible describes Jacob as exceedingly rich. It got better from generation to generation. Praise the name of Jesus. And that's how God works. Let's look at Genesis chapter 18. Let's look at what God told Abraham. One of the qualifications of Abraham was his ability to pass down his faith to the next generation. In Genesis chapter 18, the Bible says, Abraham, we surely become a great and powerful nation. And all nations on earth will be blessed through him. That's verse 18. Look at verse 19. 
For I have chosen him so that he would direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right, just and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised. So from day one, God knew his promise to Abraham exceeds Abraham. God's promise to Abraham must outlast Abraham. God's promise to Abraham must be preserved from generation to generation. In fact, it seems as if God's only qualification, because we never gone, there was really no qualification that God gave. Abraham didn't really do anything. Abraham was worshiping idols like every other person. In fact, if you look at many of the heroes of faith, some of them, God called them because they were already righteous, right? Noah was called, was chosen because he was already righteous. He chose not to mix with every other person, then God called him. Many, many people like that. Abraham had no qualification. He was worshiping idols like every other person. It wasn't like Abraham just separated himself from his father. No, 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 no. He was worshiping the God of his father. But from here, we can see that it seems as if God sees that Abraham has the ability to pass on the blessing, right? So that he would direct his children and his household after him to keep the blessing. Praise the name of Jesus. So why is this very, very important? We must understand how God thinks, how he sees things as regard to how we treat our children. That God's work in our life does not end in our life. It continues. In fact, it gets better. Praise the name of Jesus. It increases. The Bible says that, you know, God's Go, they go from glory to glory, right? God, that is also applicable from generation to generation. Look at me. My parents, my father, was raised in a Muslim household. So the first person to be a Christian, to break that, right? That presents a lot of challenges in itself. So from generations, God knows the grandparent, God knows what, who they were, presents a hurdle, pass on, so I become the first generation, or second generation, rather, who came out of faith, Christian faith. Now, it wasn't a very strong faith, but at least it was a better platform to come from. But my children would do better. Amen. Many of us, you are probably first generation Christian. You know, yeah, it might be a little hard. It doesn't mean that God's promise is not at work. Life might be a little tough. There might be so many demons you are going to have to overcome. There might be so many generational challenges, bondages, baggages that you might have to. So maybe that's why life is hard. Maybe that's why it's a little tough. Maybe that's why things are not as rosy as you are, but you have to understand that God is starting something with you. 
and it gets better from you onward. So don't give up the fight. There's a bigger prize that God is looking for. Hallelujah. So God is generational in his thinking. Let's go to Genesis chapter 17. Let's go to Genesis chapter 17. Genesis 17 verse 7 says, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you. Did you see that? If you look at all God's conversations with Abraham, none of them was about Abraham only. None of them. Every conversation God had with Abraham, in fact, God was already seeing Jesus. I will even say he was already seeing all of us because ultimately we are all children of Abraham. Praise the name of Jesus. Through Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 tells us that, right? So that the blessing of Abraham might come to us, the Gentile. That's why Jesus went to the cross. Jesus went to the cross, became a curse for us, so that the blessing can pass through us. So that we can be grafted in. That's what the Bible talks about. We can be grafted into the lineage of Abraham. And so we can also become part of the blessing. God thinks generationally. The Bible says his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. The Bible says one generation will praise you to another. God thinks generationally. And we must always think that way. Hallelujah. I'm going to end, you know, because we've taken a lot of time. But I'm going to end by talking, by going to Psalm 127. I love to share Psalm 127, usually in naming ceremony. If you have attended any of our naming ceremony, you know that's, that's, my, that's my passage. Psalm 127, uh, I'll read a few verses there. In fact, it can be displayed on the screen, so I, wouldn't, I want all of us to read it together, if you can. Can we all read it together? Psalm 127 from verse 3. Let's go. One, two. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponent in court. Amen. The joy of receiving the gift of a child from God. This, this, the Bible says, children are from God. And for those of us who are parents, this is very critical. Very, very important. This is something that sometimes we miss because obviously culturally sometimes we are, we are, we are supposed to think our children are ours. Number one, they are not yours. And unless you really renew your mind and position yourself to think the way God thinks, it's not likely you will be the best parent that God wants you to be, all right? You know, possessiveness is something that must be broken first. The Bible talks about children being heritage from the Lord, being a reward from him. In a sense, they are on loan to us. They belong to God ultimately. 
I remember a story several years ago. I was listening to uh, the general overseer, uh, our general overseer, Pastor Adeboye. He was sharing, he shared, uh, I don't know, the, I don't remember the context, but I remember the story. And he talked about his son being critically ill, like he was having fever, very, very high fever. And he prayed for the son, and the son wasn't ill. And the sickness got worse and worse. Every day he would pray, minister to the boy. The boy's condition was getting worse. And he went to the Lord, said, God, please heal my son. And he kept repeating that, repeating that, repeating that. Then he said at some point, he got very worried. And he said, God, what happened? Why aren't you healing my son? And the Lord said, well, since it's your son. <laughs> since it's your son. So you go ahead and heal him. Then he got the message. And he said, now he changed his prayer. And he said, God, heal your son. And he said, as soon as he prayed that prayer, immediately the boy got healed. All of a sudden, I mean, he changed his mindset. So it's very important for us to understand that ultimately, these are God's children, number one. Right? God has a plan. I mean, there are some stories that dramatize this for us very well. I mean, for me, when I read stories like the story of Moses, you think Moses was really his parents' child? God, God, God sent Moses for a purpose, right? Now, the parents rejoice. We have a baby. They did a naming ceremony. They did whatever. But it's, and I think... Moses' mother knows that too. I think that's why she took the risk, right? Every other person just gave up. Pharaoh was going to kill every child. What can we do? And they just, she decides, you know what? There's something special about this child. This child is not just my child. There's an assignment. There's a purpose. And she decides, I believe, to seek God's face. It takes the wisdom of God to hide a baby in a basket on the water. That's not why, where you hide a baby, right? You go dig a hole somewhere, find a cave somewhere, right? Put the child there. Now, the Holy God told her, this is what you're going to do. Uh, you're going to put the baby on the water. To put the baby on the water, Pharaoh's daughter took the baby. <laughs> Pharaoh's daughter hired her to raise the baby. She got paid, wow, to raise her own baby. But I think she, that must have given her a clue. God needs this child. Otherwise, he could have died. And I want to submit to you, that's how we should view our children. God needs them. There's an assignment over their life. There's a plan and purpose for them. Now, that plan and purpose requires our cooperation. Many parents scuttle God's plan and purpose for their children, sometimes for selfish reasons, sometimes because of our own agenda, sometimes because we want to do whatever. We are not cooperating with God. You know, we really mess up God's plan. But parenting is really cooperating with God, knowing that God has a plan. And my job is to ensure God's plan for their life comes to pass. Praise the name of Jesus. So children, they are a heritage. They are from the Lord. 
Hallelujah. They are a blessing from the Lord. And in, in case you are here, you don't have a child yet, yours is coming, Jesus. You are going to receive a gift from the Lord. Our God is a God that gives gifts to everyone without finding fault. So I pray for you in the mighty name of Jesus that your blessing will come quickly. Your blessing will come speedily in the mighty name of Jesus. But there's also the responsibility mentioned here. Number four, verse 4 says, they are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Children, they are like arrows. You know, arrows are instruments of war, right? Yeah, arrows are, they are also instruments of precision. You know, an arrow is potent because it's in the hand of a warrior who has been trained. You see, an arrow in the hand of an ordinary person is not that powerful. 99% of the time, it's going to miss anyway, right? So if an untrained person just has an arrow, they throw it, oh yeah, it's just going to go wild. You don't have much to worry about. There are arrows in the hand of so many people who are not warriors. What we need to do is to become warriors. An arrow in the hand of a warrior is an extremely dangerous and potent weapon, right? An arrow in the hand of an ordinary person is just another matter. An arrow in the hand of a warrior, wow. I am so excited about the testimony given today because our children are arrows. Just see how non-religious they share their testimony. That means the Holy Spirit is not religious. How Nefeshia receiving word of knowledge. I'm not, I know one of us, ah, no, you don't talk about Holy Spirit like that. That's, that's your religious stuff, right? For us, we have to say, thus, yes, the Lord. <laughs> we have to shake a little bit. We have to say, Holy One of Israel. That's why our prophecies only work in church. And God did not design prophecy and gift of the Spirit only for the church. God designed them for the marketplace. Hallelujah. You think people like Daniel and all those things, they, they exhibited their gift in the marketplace, right? Before kings, before presidents. You think if you want to give a word to somebody in Hollywood, somebody who is in the movie, you're going to shake? There's not going to be service. There's not going to be praise and worship. You know, some of you say, oh, you know, I think I need somebody to do praise and worship so that I can be in the spirit. No, 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 no. They are going to, that's why they are going to do better. There's, that's why they are going to be more effective. When you see what God is doing in their life, you know that the devil is in trouble. Yeah. And I'm excited. Hallelujah. Bible said there are arrows in the hand of a warrior. Those who are children, they are like arrows. So we must become warriors as parents. We must become warriors. We must become trained. We must become people who cooperate with God. Because a child that is functioning according to his or her gifts and design will wreak a havoc to the power of darkness. And I believe our children are positioned to do that. Our children, our youth, they are positioned to do that. I'm going to read 
verse 5 in the, in the uh, 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 another translation, uh, the TPT translation, the Passion Translation. If you can display it, I think I have it there. Look at how he put it. He said, happy we be the couple who has many of them. A household full of children will not bring shame on your name, but victory when you face your enemies. For your offspring will have influence and honor to prevail on your behalf. That means what you don't achieve, they will. Hallelujah. And I prophesy over our youth today that what we don't achieve, you will. In the mighty name of Jesus. You will do greater things. You will go to places we, have, we, have not, we cannot go. You will do more miracles than we've ever done in the mighty name of Jesus. So we must encourage them. We must be there for them. Many of you were not there yesterday. You were shopping. You were moving around. You were resting. That's not the kind of encouragement that they need. They need to know that we're for them. They need to know that we encourage them. They need to know that we're there for them. Some of us who are some of the singles, I want to encourage you singles, you can have an enormous influence on the life of these young ones. You don't even know how great your influence can be. And look at Nefer's testimony from, from Nefer about how she's been impacted by Nefer, Jumoke, and all these people. I mean, many of you singles, you just go around, you think you have problems. And that's what the enemy conditions you to think. Oh, we have problems, we have challenges, we are dead. No, no, no. Think about yourself as what God can do through you. You can be a great influence in the life of a younger person. You know, they have a lot of challenges. They have a lot of questions. They need people to model for them, model love, model forgiveness, model passion for God. They need that. And parents, we need to be careful what we pass on to them. We need to be careful the kind of environment we create for them. We need to be careful what we say around them, all right? Because we, are, we must be warriors, we must be people who are walking in that direction so that they can take it and increase the speech. Praise the mighty name of Jesus. So parents, we must see that. And we must give our youth, our children, and I thank God for our children here, our youth here. They are already doing great things, but they will even do greater things. In the mighty name of Jesus. So let's keep them in our prayer. Let's keep them support. You know, they support us in a lot of ways. This church will not be where it is. If you take our youth out of this church, many ministries will not function well. Do you know that? There are ministries that will not function well if you take them out of this church. That means they support this church. They are doing their best. But when they need the support, we also need to support them. So I want to challenge you, adults, let's be there for them. Let's pray for them. Let's encourage them. Let them, let them know that God loves them, God cares for them. If we don't, there are other people outside who are rooting for them, who want to have them, right? There are other forces out there in schools, out there, gangs, all these people who entice them with belonging, come here, we will support them, you know. 
if they have gift of singing and we are not there for them, there's somebody that will offer them contract to go and sing in clubs, right? So we need to be there, and if we do so, we are like warriors, shooting them in the direction that God has called them to go. Let's bow down our heads and pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, we honor you for our youths. We thank you for what you have done in them, what you are doing in them and through them. We thank you for the work of your hand. And we pray that their path will be like that of the just, shining more and more unto the perfect day. We pray that each one of them will know you personally. They will know they have a place in you. They will know that they are chosen. They will know that they are priesthood. They will know they are special. They will know that they have been called to proclaim the praises of him who called them out of darkness into his marvelous light. They will know how precious, how important. I pray especially for any one of them who has experienced bad parenting, who have been disappointed, maybe by their parent, by adults in their life, I pray that, Lord, you will step in and repair those damages in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that they will be for signs and wonders. Thank you because you've answered our prayer. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Let's put our hands together.